Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Good morning and welcome to this week's Football Digest podcast. And as it's just been pointed out to me, someone new to the show, clearly, we've got two sets of twins, of course. It's a double cross. Welcome, Jeremy Cross, who's who's actually not my brother or twin. Um, uh, he's the chief sports writer of the Daily Star. And double done. Done and dunner. Um, I had to be careful when I said that, didn't I? Andy Dunn, chief sports writer of the Daily Mirror, and Matt Dunn, football aficionado of the Daily Express. So nice to see you all, guys. Um, what a week it's been in the Champions League. We'll definitely kick off with that. I mean, the highs and the lows. One thing's for sure, maybe group matches aren't quite as dull and predictable and dead rubbers as as we actually thought. Um, it's been a it's been an interesting week, shall we say? And we'll look forward to the um, Europa League stroke Europa Conference League um, tonight as well, and I look forward to uh, the Premier League being back at the weekend. And should we celebrate England being third in the FIFA World Rankings? I think we probably should. And I'm I'm struggling there to see quite why. Italy aren't higher. But anyway, we'll come on to that. Um, let's start with the Champions League reaction. And um, it's been a busy week, uh, really. I think three, well, three of us were there at Anfield last night, weren't we, for, for Liverpool-Milan. Um, I mean, Liverpool, it was a cracking game, wasn't it? I mean, you put the, these two sides together and they really, it's almost like, you know... Um, Heart versus heart, basically, isn't it? And uh, when when they when they were together, it was murder. Um, three two, Jordan Henderson's late winner. But what a cracking game, Andy, wasn't it? It was fabulous, fabulous roller coaster stuff. How important was it for Liverpool to win that game? Well, well, with the standard of that group, you know, and mm. let's go Madrid and Porto, who who drew last night. I mean, it was vitally important. You know, don't forget that that, that Milan were actually to see the pop four team. Um, uh, in that group, so it was vitally important that Liverpool got off to that flyer. But you know, wasn't it just a great night? And wasn't it just a reminder? You know, it, it is. It, it's become, it's become a cliche, I guess. But but it's absolutely true that European nights at Anfield, they're just very very special. Even a you know, yes, it was important, but it still was a, a bog standard Champions League qualifying game. You know, the mm. sort of game that when the Champions League. Um, isn't on that we talk about as being needing a revamp. We, you know, the qualifiers are a bit stale, etc., etc. Hey, and the chances are we could probably still predict who's going to go through. Um, but Liverpool make it special, Anfield make, makes it special. Have you ever known a place where a team starts so quickly? I mean, last night, you, you know, the crowd was up for it. The crowd didn't think it was just another qualifier, it was a meaningful occasion because it was European crowds, Champions League crowds back into Anfield. And tonight they specialise in. And again, other fans of other clubs will turn around and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you over-romanticise um, European nights at Liverpool. But we don't. You know, and the three of us who were there last night, you know, we, we and Matt's been here many times for those type of occasions. You know the sort of atmosphere they generate. And you know how, you know, you don't have to remember the first, you know, first few minutes against Barcelona, that epic game. You just, 
and 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 the, the crowd, the team feeds off that. I mean, mm-hmm. Liverpool start last night. You know, I mean, how they win three, four, five up inside half an hour, I'll never know. They were absolutely electric, and they just. It's just, you know, um, it's a fantastic weapon to have in their in their Champions League armory is to have that sort of home backing because we've seen teams who are better than this Milan team intimidated by that atmosphere. Barcelona mm. famously were intimidated by that atmosphere. Absolutely no doubt about it. And I think Milan, to a certain extent, last night were, you know, a, a little bit. They, they didn't quite know what had hit them early on. And that's why it just felt like it was a, a really significant night in a game that, in the grand scheme of things, you know, is part of a qualifying process that we all, I think, think, you know, might need a bit of a revamp. But it was it, it, was, it was a great night. And, and you know, you, you have to give credit, I think, to Liverpool fans for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was an absolutely sensational night. Jeremy, it was really interesting that basically the two sides of Trent Alexander-Arnold, let's be frank here, fabulous going forward. He did leave gaps at the back, didn't he? I mean, you know, I guess that's the flip side. That's the dilemma that is facing Gareth Southgate. One awesome force going forward. No one's detracting away from that. But the other side to it, Liverpool's defence without Virgil van Dijk is a completely different animal, isn't it? Yeah, I think a few of us were quite surprised when Van Dijk wasn't in the starting eleven. Um, clearly, he needs to be managed carefully because he's been out for so long with that serious injury. So I sort of get why Klopp's trying to manage his workload and ease him back in with a sensible sort of um, routine. But, you know, that was a Champions League um, opener. Um, it was a big game and it was only a group game. But like Dunny said, it's a tough group, that. And, um, you know, Liverpool will do well to get out of it. I think they will. Um, I think they'll, they'll be formidable at home. But come half-time when Milan scored those two quick goals in less than two minutes, you probably started to think, you know, he might be regretting not picking Van Dijk now. Um, and there was some suggestion he might bring him on because um, they were losing 2-1. So, um, yeah, look, he, he is the glue that holds that defence together. And Dunny mentioned it last night, I think, during the game. They're not the same force without him in the team. So... Um, he clearly can't play every week, but um, you know you've got to pick and choose what games you decide to leave him out. Leave him out of. I think the play Pal- the play Palace at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yes, would have, that would have been a better option maybe to um, to give him a break. So yeah, Trent. I think Trent's performance last night personified the whole debate about what his best position is. And when we were talking on the way to the stadium, weren't we, that Gary Lineker and um, Jamie Carragher have been involved in a, in a little spat on um, social media about where he should play. Um, he's so good going forward that you think he naturally looks like a good fit to become a right winger. Mm. Um, he scored, well, he's, he opened the scoring with a deflected shot. Um, so he didn't get credited for the goal, but he just he just terrorised them. He found pockets of space. He's so quick. Um, he's got a great imagination when it comes to attacking play. But I have to say, his defending is just not not good enough, really. I mean, the Milan goals both came down uh, down that, that flank where he should have been. He was out of position. Uh, it was partly Matip as well, to be fair. Yeah, Matip was caught out of position too uh, for the opening goal yeah. of Milan. But so it's not. It wasn't all his fault, but it just felt a bit like you know. Well, he looks to me like a player. I've said this before. Who loves loves attacking and just find defending a chore. But essentially, he's a right back. So you know, if that's going to be his future position. He needs to he needs to learn that, that tackling and stopping attacking play as well as creating attacking play is 
is just as important. So, you know, he has work to do on his game. It's just he's such a frustrating player because he's, he's a great player in there. Um, but I just don't know if, he, if, he's, if his level of defending is up to the level it should be. Yeah, his delivery is, is something else. Yeah. It does put me in mind, you know, the, the, this debate about, Matt, I mean, the debate about Trent and whether he can play, you know, midfield without wishing to ruffle <laughs> Jurgen Klopp's feathers again. But do you remember when England used to, like, had the t- two terrific left-backs in Ashley Cole, who was the best left-back in the world, in, in my view, at the time, um, and Wayne Bridge, who was really yeah. good sort of kind of attacking. And they did sort of play him, didn't they? Left-back, left-midfield, basically. And it's sort yeah. of just... It, it was a it was a short lived experiment, but probably probably tells you the probably tells you the answer. Can, I can can it with being much success, and the other problem <laughs> I'd love to see Liverpool Trent Alexander Arnold in an England shirt because I don't think we've seen that yet. For some reason, no. he's a lot more comfortable in that red shirt than he is in a white one. Um, uh, yeah, he's it's difficult because, as Jeremy says, I think he is a right back. He is. Athleticism, his yeah. strength, you know, his pace, his you know, his stamina, um, and his ability to cross the ball—all classic right back traits. And I don't think he's quite tricky enough, or or the right sort of player, or or quite explosive enough to be a right winger. So he's got to basically teach himself to be a right back. And and when you're right back, as Jeremy says, your first uh, priority is to defend, and and that went missing last night for all the the attacking sort of dimension he adds. I think until he gets that right. But the thing is, he can learn that uh, mm. uh, and be good enough as a right back to justify his inclusion in, in it for England and Liverpool uh, in that position because of what he adds going forward. Yeah, Tri- Trippier has improved no end under, mm. under you know, uh, under Simeone at, at, at Atletico, isn't it? I guess the other thing to be fair to Trent, who's a, who's a super kid, isn't he? He's really intelligent. He's sort of kind of, you know, a really good, you know, if you ever get sort of chance to chat to him, he was a really good interview last season and, you know, smart, switched on, so he's willing to learn clearly and thinks about the game a lot. Um, I guess the other thing is, because of the way that they've set up, it's often a 4-3-3, you know, there's no protection, is there, sort of from, from the wide areas, let's be let's be realistic about that. And so I guess it's, you know, he's trying to sort of do two two jobs there, to be fair to him. And we should also celebrate Liverpool's, prowess going forward. I mean, Andy, last couple of games, I mean, Salah has looked absolutely... I know he misses a penalty last night, but wow, he's looking razor sharp, isn't he? Back to his best. He is. Last couple of games, last couple of seasons, last three seasons, last last, last 100 games, you know, I mean, listen, I know you say back to his best, but I... I can't remember Salah particularly having any 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 significant dips in form since he's been in Liverpool. Doesn't he have the odd drop off? Doesn't he have the odd drop off? Doesn't I, feel I, like it, but no, maybe. No, just... I, I mean, I don't know, John. I cannot. I, I literally could not remember a time where I thought, "Oh, guess what? Salah's not really playing well at the moment." Um, I've had. There's been times where I thought, "Oh, he's in a bit of a huff," or or he looks as though he's not particularly happy, or he's had a fallout with Sadio Mane. Things like that, but I mean, in terms of form, I mean, he's been consistently absolutely fantastic. I mean, bear in mind that the people that are generally the players that are highlighted and crediting sorts of Liverpool's form over the last few seasons is, is clearly Van Dijk is has probably been the single most sort of factor according to people. But you know, surely Mo Salah is, is even beyond that, and, and he didn't join that um, earlier than Van Dijk. Probably six months was it? Did he join in? I think probably six months earlier than Van Dijk. And the impact he's had on the club 
you know, is 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 as seismic, if not more, than, than Van Dijk. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I, I think he's a fantastic player. It's strange considering he has won quite a few individual honours. You still get that feeling, don't you? That he's I get that feeling that he is actually still slightly underappreciated, slightly underrated. You know, and he well, has had, you know, obviously um, the, the game's top individual honours. Yet, I don't know. Do we really appreciate him? I mean, well, why do you, you think know, that is? Why do you think that? I don't is? know. I don't know. Maybe people see, you know, there is this element. Um, what people people sometimes see in him a, a, a bit of a, you know, the accusation will be that he's a selfish striker. Now, right. there's no doubt about it. Individual honours mean absolutely, you know, an awful lot to him. Hence his pursuit of the golden boots. But he's not alone in that. He's not alone in wanting to win the golden boots. You know, all great strikers are like that. We all we've all got many, many tales to tell about the selfishness of strikers. So I've got no problem with that. Maybe it's that. You know, I, I just get the impression, even amongst Liverpool fans, even amongst Liverpool fans, that, that Salah is not as acclaimed as maybe he should be. And yes, you're right, he was outstanding last night. He's outstanding most times. Um, and obviously, you know, he missed a penalty last night, but um he's outstanding most times you see him, and obviously Liverpool's issue now. Is that while all of their players are, well, most of their players are are getting um, tied down to long term deals. Um, Salah is, you know, now under two years left of his contract to run, and we all know that that's the time when the alarm bells start to ring in clubs. You know, someone like Mo Salah, twenty nine years of age, less than two years to run. You know, they need to tie him down to to, to, a, mm. to a contract. We've seen before that you know they haven't been able to um, come up with the money to keep Wijnaldum, or according to him. And you know that is the big priority now. You know that they maybe is under maybe is slightly underappreciated, but you know um, I think it, it, every Liverpool fan would say the most the biggest bit of contract business is to get Salah to extend his stay. You know, I mean, and bear in mind, I think he posted a picture of himself swimming this morning at three o'clock, didn't he? You were still on the M6 or somewhere, John, but when, when <laughs> Salah was back in his pool doing thirty lengths. Um, I was but still in yeah, witness, I think, all the diversions yeah, yeah. meant I was still in witness. You were, swim, you were swimming across the Mersey. Um, um, in terms of, um, but why, but why, that just goes to show, I mean, his, his, the way he looks after himself, you know, and if you think now, you think, oh, he's 29, so why would Liverpool give him a long contract with a lot of money, etc.? Why would they? Well, he's 29 and he's in, you know, I mean, he's never injured either, is he? I mean, can you remember Salah being injured? I mean, I, I, I can't remember any significant injury. And you think how fit he is, and you look at Ronaldo, you know, who, who's closer to 37 than he is to 36. Salah might have seven years left at the very, very highest level. And that and that changes the sort of whole sort of dynamics of the contract. Andy. But yes, brilliant last night, and as I say, the, the, the contract thing needs to be sorted out. Crossy, do you think if, if you were Salah, would you, when you were considering signing a new contract, would you want, would you want to know from the club's owners how much they're going to be investing in other new players around him in the future next one two three seasons because they've not they've not gone mad in the transfer market over this summer and yeah. you know when you assess the strengths and weaknesses of all the top teams in the champion in the premier league this season you look at liverpool and i just think they might be a bit short on strength in depth maybe yeah do you know what i always think these these are wonderful conversations these are um because i think that the, 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 the players know right i think they, they get a feeling for around the club. Are the club going to go for it? What what the owner's ambitions are? And I think if things are going badly, then basically you can be cast as as a pariah like Robin Van Persie going in to see Wenger saying, who are you going to sign? You know, are we going to compete? 
Wenger's answered, you know, none of your business, basically. Or the kind of, you know, if you're if you're in a good place as a club, going places like Liverpool are, then it's it's basically it's much more of a conversation. Oh, I just want to be clear that you know we're going to challenge for the major honours. I don't know whether you can really realistically have that conversation come out. You know, looking in 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 anything but a yeah, I don't know. You're sort of kind of trying to manage the team to to a degree because I I I must say I wouldn't have put Liverpool in the title race. But I look at their early season performances, and I do, I do think, I do think they'll be in the title race. I do. I think they'll be in the conversation. Will they last beyond April? I don't know. And I think the Champions League is just, it's a lottery. But where does Salah go next? I'm sorry, but he doesn't go to PSG. He doesn't go to Barcelona. They can't afford him. Does Real Madrid are looking for Erling Haaland, and basically, you know, then you know, Mbappe in the mix as well. I mean. I don't know. I don't know that those places are there anymore for him. Well, let's tell you what, Joe, and, and, and Jeremy's right about when Salah you know, might look at the ambition of the pill. But also, let, let's let, let's cut to the chase. You know, it's going to be about money as well. You know, he's going to look around at players earning, you know, £400,000 a week, um, £500,000 a week. He'd be looking at the, you know, the Messi contracts, the Ronaldo contracts, and he'll be thinking that's the sort of money that, that, that he, he will be wanting. And he'll also be thinking, you know, Hey, listen, if his contract runs down at Liverpool, I'll tell you what, in, in, in less than two years' time, if, if he was out of contract, the likes of the PSGs and the Barcelona's and the Real Madrids, they'd be willing to, 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 to pay him those sort of wages. And that's what mm. it's going to come down to. You know, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough business in terms of for clubs to negotiate with these players because he does, you know, hold the hand. It's like, it's like Pogba and Man U. You know, Pogba's... I mean, he's in a great position, Paul Pogba, isn't he? You know, he's got his, his contract's running down, and there will be clubs out there who will take him. PSG might take him, but he is a free agent at the end of at the end of this season. You know, and, and Salah and Salah is now is only a year behind that, so he won't be. I mean, clearly, what you're missing is is is, is the pay increase that you know that you get from you signing the contract. But you don't sure. get that updated anyway. That's what clubs normally do. So, I just think that you know. We say that we don't know what the quite what the financial and transfer landscape is going to be like. Probably, well, certainly not in two years' time. Maybe not even next summer. We don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know. You know, you know, the Barcelona and Real Madrid have had a habit of finding money from somewhere. PSG clearly have got money, and if Mbappe moves, then what if Mbappe goes at the end of his contract next year? You know, mm. would not Salah be? Um, he's obviously not like for life, but you know, he's he's not far off. How about Mbappe goes to, to Real Madrid next summer, um, and and then and then if Salah's got a year left on his contract at Liverpool, they would have to sell. Um, mm. They're not like PSG; they could afford to keep Mbappe and turn down 120 million and lose him for free 12 months later. So I think it will change. I think he holds the aces, John. I really do, and I think it will come down to money. And then the problem there that Liverpool will have is that they will have some type of structure. Clearly, that was an issue with mm. um, mm. with Mm. And they will have some type of structure there. So do you make Salah your best paid player? Well, I think you'll have to. Do you make him the best paid player by some distance? That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. No, it is it is a massive issue. And I do think it's so easy to say, oh, don't let the player run into the last two years of the contract. So many yeah. clubs have had this issue. It's not yeah. it's it's never that straightforward. It never is. Uh, you know, I don't I don't care you know, which club or which player, it's never that easy. So 
there's some sympathy there. Matt, Matt the other game, um, Man City, uh, RB Leipzig. Man, what a scoreline. What a scoreline. And uh, obviously just seeing the goals, really. So, you know, because it, because it was at Anfield uh, and then basically spent the night on the M6. But it was just basically, it was, I mean, it was, it was an astonishing game, wasn't it? And basically it did sound at, at, at times quite a close contest despite the, the, the eventual outcome. Oh, defence is very much on top. Yeah, very much. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't think it was as close as all. I think City always had had the game in in the bag, um, and it just it was just a yeah. Leipzig are a very can be a very gung ho team at times, and uh, and City love that. The, the the one thing they they enjoy is teams coming at them, and uh, mm. and yeah, and, and the goals were, were hitting the back of the net um, with or without a striker for City. Um, but but when you know people open up themselves like that, like Leipzig did uh, last night, um, you know anyone's going to score in that you know with with that sort of supporting cast, and and of course it was the return of Kevin De Bruyne as well for for City this season, which I think is a significant step towards let's seeing how how serious they are about uh, you know Premier League title, Champions League. Well, as soon as he pulls that shirt back on. They seem like a different team, capable of scoring mm. goals, capable of doing all sorts of things. Uh, and, you know, in a couple of early one, you know, the early wobble against Spurs and things, that's now behind them. Uh, and now we're in the, the De Bruyne period. So uh, I think this will be a, a, the next few weeks will be a chance to truly assess what, what City are going to do this season. Yeah. Jeremy, where, where do you think, where is City? Do you think that they're, they are Premier League title favourites? They're likely to likely to retain it a lot of people obviously saying Chelsea I know you sort of kind of got a hankering for Chelsea but um, you know we, we keep on sort of saying the city going to struggle for goals they, they've not really been have they but scored 17 goals in the last four games <laughs> five four games yeah <laughs> so, look, you know <laughs> they don't have a Lukaku or a Harry Kane but what they do have is they have a huge pool of talent around you know not an out an out and out number nine but they have Grealish they have Sterling they have De Bruyne um, they have um, Bernardo Silva they all score goals hmm. and City dominate games um, so often and create so many chances that actually yeah I'm sure Guardiola would have loved to have had Harry Kane in his side this season but you know mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to lose much sleep about the fact that they couldn't get a deal over the line with Tottenham because they they will always score goals and, and you know I think ten different players have scored goals for City already this season so that's the, that's the pattern that's you know that is that is the product of fair that includes Tim Krull master plan you know he can tweak his team however he feels like it and um, he knows they'll always score two three four goals a game so um, look if I, I think Chelsea and City are the two best teams in the in the Premier League, and there's not a lot to choose between them. They play very different ways. Um, Chelsea very hard to beat, aren't they? You know they're so well organised in the two, don't have a weakness. I mean, Guardiola won't be happy with the fact that they've conceded three goals to to Leipzig last night. That that that'll annoy him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, if you play in uh, Nathan Aki instead of stones or whoever then you know you're asking for trouble um because in my opinion he's just not good enough for that team nathan Aki. i know it costs 40 million quid from bournemouth but i think bournemouth's probably about his level really um he's an accident so um yeah 
look, it's it's the start of another mission to win the Champions League, isn't it? And they've started really mm. well, scored six goals. They will probably breeze through their group. Um, and, you know, we'll then be back to deja vu again in the knockout rounds to see what sort of weird and wonderful decisions Guardiola makes in terms of his team selection and stuff. Um, but, yeah, look, City were quick last night to sort of pump out a stat that they're the second fastest team to win 50 games in the competition behind Real Madrid. Uh, that's all well and good, and that's, that's great. You know, well done to them. But the, big, the only stat that still counts is zero. They haven't won the Champions League. And that is weighing heavy. It's as heavy as ever now on Guardiola. Jeremy, let me tell you, if you're that stat man, you're pumping it out to you, you're, you're thinking that Jeremy Cross is damned ungrateful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm just, I'm just telling the truth. It's, um, you know, he, he's achieved everything he wants to achieve, bar, bar, bar one thing, and that's the biggest trophy you can win as a club manager. So, you know... He's urged the players to use the pain of losing to Chelsea in the final season to drive them on. And let's see what happens. But, you know, it'd be fascinating to see how he attacked it again this, this year. Yeah, no, it, it will be interesting. The other game in that group threw up a surprise result. Club Bruges um, actually apparently had the better of the game in, in against PSG, it says here on the script, in a 1-1 draw. Um, so are PSG top heavy? Is it? <laughs> it basically is. Is Pochettino going to struggle? He's going to struggle to kind of make the best of this team and sort of kind of live up to their potential. Matt, Matt, what do you think? The, yeah, kind of I the, think the um... manager is useless. <laughs> myth. Um, I don't know. You can read a lot into one result, and this is the problem with the Champions League. You mm. can, you know, well. Yeah, is it an embarrassment for PSG? Yeah, probably. Are they still going to qualify from the group? Yes, definitely. Um, so it'll be one of those results that that can be forgotten. But mm. but yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you see that that group firing on all cylinders, you know it's absolutely awesome. But there's going to be times when it doesn't work, and 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 yeah, and, and I think failing to get that to ignite at least enough to to get past a team like Bruges. It is something that, that they need to be mindful of, but but ultimately, I don't think any damage will be done, and uh, and PSG will be there. It'd be interesting to see how good they are against the better teams because they're all big game players. Let's be honest, and, and that's you know Club Bruges is your Tuesday cold Tuesday night at Stoke kind of a game, isn't it? At Champions League level, um, and I just wonder whether uh, and this is going to be PSG's problem ultimately whether they have the character in that team. To, to go on and and win uh, the games that they need to, uh, as well as just turning up on the big big occasions. But but yeah, I mean it's it's, it's I think a warning shot for for Pochettino, uh, and one that that you know he's got, he's got to learn from. I don't know who you've been more unfair to there, Stoke yeah. or Bruges, frankly. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Bruges. <laughs> yeah. Bruges are wonderful. I mean, as it's Stoke, but yeah, yeah, well, yeah well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like like for like. Yeah, stayed in Stoke quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but um, there you go. Right. Okay. So we always look at your your, your comments. Uh, we really do, and they've been completely overwhelmed uh, this morning when the threat of talking about Man United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes up. Mark Stewart here says Ollie is clueless. Um, and his excuses are like listening to a seven-year-old. Um, 
I mean, the, the amount of Ollie outs are are overwhelming and astonishing. It's just uh, Zach Ollie, uh, Albert says, signed Conte. Um, similar view there. I mean, yeah. it's just it's 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 one or or you know one after the other, and it, it basically that that result was a bad one. The, the 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 turnaround was embarrassing. The way they let it slip was was shocking. But I mean. Is this a fact of life? Is it? Uh, it feels to me the the temperature has been turned up uh, on 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 Solskjaer after the signing of Ronaldo. The expectation levels are through the roof. It's a it's a real testing time for Solskjaer as manager and as good a player as as Ronaldo is. It's, it's completely changed the, the 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 rules of engagement, hasn't it? I mean, you know, it's it it's a you know it's a bizarre one. There's so much focus on Ronaldo being substituted. You know, Rio Ferdinand basically sort of questioning what what he was doing on the touchline and telling him to sit down. And you know, and kind of United are suddenly expected to be the the United of what twenty years ago. Um, Andy, where did, where where is where is Solskjaer in this? And 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 basically, has it all changed for him with that signing? Yeah, it, it, of course it's changed. You know, I think you know many of us um, wrote as such when Ronaldo signed that it, that it does change for Solskjaer. You know, all, it's not all of a sudden, but clearly, as if he didn't know. I mean, I think anyway, this season was one in which Solskjaer was under huge pressure to actually win something, and then when your owner, your owners have provided you now with Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Rafael Varane, and Jadon Sancho. Then that's just it, isn't it? You know, there, 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 there is no hiding place now. There's no hiding place for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He, you know, he has to be. I wouldn't say it has to win a trophy, but he certainly has to be very close to winning a trophy. You know, it's funny because you know when Jeremy was talking there about or, or about the bookmakers about, about the you know who are favourite to win a title. I think either you or Jeremy were. You know, United are still in in every bookmaker's list. United are still fourth. You know, Ronaldo or no Ronaldo, they are still the fourth. Favorites to win the league, you know. Bookmakers have Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool ahead of them. Punters have them ahead of them. So you know, there's an element of realism beneath the veneer, you know, dazzling veneer of Cristiano Ronaldo, that United still are not quite good enough to win the Premier League title. But that won't wash um, with. I don't think it certainly won't wash with the ownership. You know, now Ronaldo is there. It has changed the dynamic, and of course, we now. Are having to look and how he deals with the Ronaldo situation, you know, when he plays him, when he doesn't, you know, again, it, it, it's, you know, there were many reasons for them not winning in Bern, you know, some of them that were within Solskjaer's control, some of them probably outside his control, as in the sending off, as in Jesse Lingard's um, back pass. You know, there are a lot of elements outside his control, but in the end, such as the overwhelming dominance of, of Cristiano Ronaldo, that you know, the, the the decision that came down under most scrutiny was was him getting substituted. Now you know, to, to me, it sort of made made a bit of sense. You know, I mean, taking off Ronaldo, but in hindsight, now that you know um, they got beat, then all of a sudden it's under immense scrutiny. So everything he does with Ronaldo, the dynamic between Ronaldo and Solskjaer for the rest of the season, it will be under the fiercest of scrutiny. So yes. Um, it has changed, John. The landscape has changed for for Solskjaer, and it'll be interesting to see how he how he copes with it. Because you know those signings I just mentioned are great signings, but you know he still has to he, he still has to, to 
get that team into a into a more efficient way of operating. Listen, I was a and so far, you know, he's been a little bit fortunate. I was at Molyneux. Um, you were at Molyneux, John, weren't you? Um, yeah, you know, yeah. And they were extremely. Let's face it, they were extremely fortunate to win that game. I mean, extremely. I, you know, as that that's as, as sort of um, fortuitous a one 0 win as I've seen for a long time in the Premier League. So they were mm. lucky there. <clears throat> they obviously were not lucky against Newcastle United. However, Newcastle United, you know, equalised and did, you know. Have it did cause them enough problems on the counter attacks to suggest they might get a draw? And now, of course, you've got what happened in Switzerland. So it's clear that he still hasn't come up with a a really sort of um, efficient way of producing top class performances week in week out, and he has to do that. But in answer to your question, you know, and we see it again with all the comments, he's still, you know, how I mean, how many games has he had, Solskjaer? Hundred odd. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and 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 how can how can a jury still be out after 120 games or whatever it is? It it it, it really is. That's the pressure. Yeah, Jer- well, Jeremy. Can... These comments keep coming in. I know, I know, I know. It's 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 remarkable, really. Um, you know, and and by the way, he's a United legend, and that's what makes it seem particularly hard. And, he's and great. That... you know what? Just quickly, and he's great. I mean, I th- I think he's brilliant. I think he represents the club fantastically well. Yeah. And I love some of the stuff that he says. I just think he's down to earth. He's normally unfailingly polite. He normally doesn't blame officials. He normally cuts through basically, you know, the rubbish. Basically, I, I love mm. I love the stuff about about the assists this week when he said like, you know, does Paul Pogba really get an assist for a square ball that Fernandez then pings into the top corner? You know, and I agree with them on, you know, he talks... Me too, me too, yeah. You know, he talks sense. Otherwise, you know, you'd be giving an assist to, right, I've forgotten his name, to my shame, I've forgotten his name. Who passed to Maradona before he scored the goal against England? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, what was his name? What was his name? But anyway, basically, it's like giving him the assist, having given a two-yard ball to Maradona inside Argentina's half, and then he runs the length of the picks and scores... And says one assist from that bloke. It's like yeah. I can't believe I can't remember his name. No, but, I but, funnily enough, I just, I just, yeah, Maradona, Guillaume Balaguer's book on Maradona, which I read on, on the holiday. Actually, it's, it's in there. Uh, can I remember? Yeah, it? I, no, I, 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 no, I, I can't. It. But basically, a terrific book. Actually, speaking of Maradona, but basically, back to Solskjaer, you know, and I think, I, I think, you know, under under a lot of pressure. Although I would have said that. Listen, let's face it; he's just got a contract extension, and he's, you know, he's not under that type of pressure, but. You know, mentally, yeah, he, he must be under some pressure, and he handles it very well. But it's, um, you know, it, as, as if as if the spotlight wasn't harsh and bright enough on Manchester United um, in the past. Now with Ronaldo, it's just you know dazzling. Yeah, it's another a problem with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the fact that he's not Fergie, but he's a constant reminder of Fergie. Because I just I just get the sense that. He's trying to do things the Fergie way. Mm. Ronaldo comes back and he thanks Fergie. Fergie's still a very public character around Old Trafford. Uh, and Ollie basically seems to be doing, you know, this is what Fergie would do. But he hasn't quite got that magic. He hasn't got, quite got that fire. You know, and, and nobody does, to be fair, which is why he, he was the yeah. great manager that he was. But that's just what strikes me is every time you look at him, you, you just think, yeah, he's okay, but, he, but he's not Fergie. And that's an yeah. automatic negative uh, that you know he, he can't help, but but that's the truth of things. I don't think he's a particularly brilliant manager, and I, and I think isn't that what United fans want? They want those Fergie days back again. They want somebody there who they can trust, who they know that they wouldn't question, um, uh, and that 
that can lead the club to where they feel it should be. It, it, so, just, just quickly, just quickly it, isn't it? Wasn't it funny that story about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? They all went for dinner, and it was Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson, David Gill, another blast from the past, um, yeah. Edward Wood, Mike Edelson, and, and Ollie. And you just wondered about round that table, you know, who was the junior partner? Who was waiting on? I mean, it was like, you know, it's almost as if, and, and we have all these stories about how Sir Alex was instrumental in the Ronaldo deal. You know, David Gill, as I say, is, is a visible presence there, even despite his other commitments. Um, Ed Woodward, of course, is, is, you know, taking some of the credit. And and you'd almost look at it thinking, it's almost a, a sort of, it's almost a new era, which is a new old era, United. And what part does Ollie play in it? Mm. Ole's baby face basically means that whenever he gets around the table like that, whenever he goes out for dinner, I mean he's always going to be he's always going to be the junior yeah. partner. Blimey, they sort of almost sort of feel like requesting the kids' menu. You know, it's just it's and that's I don't know. It's it's a difficult. It is a difficult one because I know it sounds pretty basic, but you know you're still waiting for this kind of this guy to. Show any signs of age, any signs of kind of growing old gracefully, and it's just like I don't know. Is that is that part of the problem? The way he looks. I mean, he's just you know. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not sort of kind of knocking him, and he clearly has as as sort of great uh, characteristics. And I'm not saying get rid of him, but what what was the what was the time scale? What was the you know what was the time put on it? You know, was it was it three years to turn it around? If so, then you know where are we now? And it's, I, I I don't know that United can ever be a team in transition. Really, that's not, you know, that's not the thing. But Jeremy, let let me ask you this: the, the, the once the negativity sets in, and please don't get me wrong, they could win the next three games, and it will look fantastic. You know, with that sort of kind of you know Premier League, uh, Carabao Cup, and then Champions League, whatever the run of games. Okay. The next game, if they lose that, it still comes back to Ole must go. Can you ever, ever shake that with with every single defeat that the manager is under the spotlight again? Can you get rid of that? Well, the simple answer is no, because life at Man United is different to most of the clubs in the world. One defeat, two defeats is a, is is a the start of a crisis. The start of like we've seen. Some of the guys and listeners texting in today. Ollie out. I mean, you know, it's all right. They've lost a game, and you know, it was probably self-inflicted if you if you look at the game. Uh, and Solskjaer deserves most of the blame, really, because mm. he, he he probably approached the game wrong tactically and made some curious decisions with his substitutions. So, um, you know, to take Ronaldo off and Fernandez. Uh, is baffling in my opinion because what does Ronaldo do? He scores late mm. on to win goal to win games like he proved for Portugal just the other week. So, you know, um Solskjaer is a curious individual in the sense that he's so desperate to win a trophy and mould his own team, but yet he if you spend any time in his company, you very rarely have a Zoom press conference uh, without him referencing Fergie in some way. So just to hark mm. back to what you guys were saying earlier, Fergie's presence still looms large at United. He's almost at every single game. Um, and, you know, for, for people like Moyes, for example, it, it really became a burden for him. I know Moyes was the unfortunate one who had to follow immediately after Fergie, but, you know, the fact is Fergie, 
will never be. He was a one-off. He was mm. the success he had will never be repeated. So United fans have to accept that that period has now gone. You know, you can look back on it with such fondness because they won so many trophies, but that won't ever be repeated. That's the best it's ever going to get for United because there won't be another Fergie. Mm. You know, so um, you have to accept that and realize that while Solskjaer does need to win things because he's now in his fourth season, is it? Third? I know. I was was trying to work this out the other day. I mean, I think it was December 2018, isn't it? So, Mm. yeah. Mm. So, you know, the clock is ticking. And like Andy Mm. said earlier, he's been given three great, great players uh, by his bosses this summer um, to add to what was already a pretty talented squad. So, um, what I don't get is um, when you watch them play, when you watch a Chelsea play or a City play, they have a they have some plan in place, clearly, and they ge- genuinely execute it. When you watch United play, it's almost like they he picks the team and he sends them out without any any idea. He just says, right, go out and win the game, boys. Pass it to Ronaldo, you know, give it to him or whatever. I mean, against Newcastle, they were... If Ronaldo hadn't played in that game, I'm not sure they'd have beaten Newcastle because... They pulled one back, Newcastle, got back to 1-1 and then had a couple of good chances to go ahead. So, there doesn't seem to be an identity to the team. That's the I think that's the issue that fans have. They don't really know what the identity of the team is, whereas mm. with other sides, you know what you're going to get. So, um, but you, the, the signing Ronaldo is, it, it's huge because he's bigger than, he's way, way bigger than Solskjaer. He's way, way more important than Solskjaer at United. He transcends the club, Ronaldo. He's such an iconic figure in world football. So, you know, like Andy said, whatever the relationship between those two, it's going to be fascinating to see how it pans out because that will be pivotal in how United succeeds. Solskjaer still has unwavering support from Ed Woodward. That's well, why he's presented him with three great signings this this summer. So don't expect if they win, if they lose three games on the spin that he's going to get sacked he won't. He won't. No, it's interesting you say that because I think it's, you know, I mean, there's so much talk and, uh, and what is said around particular managers, but the, the that that sort of insight is 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 really interesting in that basically it's so often the, just the dynamic between one man at the club and the hierarchy between the manager and, and that protects. Does that change if they don't win a trophy this season? Well, look, for me, it, it, the, there's two issues here. Woodward's not going to be there next season. I, I think he's he, he obviously resigned in the wake of the um, European Super League fiasco. Now, he's still there, still working, still signing players. He may have one more season, and then I think at the end of this season, he's going to walk away once his, his successor is found. So that's his biggest ally on the way out of the United. So that's a problem for Solskjaer. And it'll be that problem will double or treble if they get to next May and he's still not won a trophy. And I'm not saying a League Cup, because if he wins a League Cup this season and that's it, that's nowhere near good enough. When you look mm. at that squad, mm. they arguably got the best squad in the Premier League. Mm. It's just getting that squad. What's the best team? What's the identity? What's the what's the pattern of play? But like Andy said earlier about the bookies. United are still fourth favourites in the title. Why is that? That's because mm. Solskjaer is the manager. Tuchel, Klopp and Guardiola, if, if any th- of those three were in charge of this United squad, 
United have been Bucky's favourites to win the title. Mm. Not fourth favourites. The fourth favourites because of who's in charge, who's managing the team. That's why the fourth favourites. So, mm. you know, but I think if he's got, he gets to May and he's still not won anything this season, you've got to say, look, you've had, you've had enough time to turn things around and mould a team. We've presented you with all the players you want. Um, and it's just not going to work. No, no, it is interesting. Our old mate, Alan Chamberlain, who's been on, I did clock your uh, message about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Alan, don't think I didn't. Uh, Ronaldo looked like he was auditioning for Ole's job the other night. Standing behind him, gesticulating, looked like the night of the long knives. <laughs> We've all had a few of those down the years, Alan, haven't we? Um, it's, uh, yeah. I have to say, I do think he is a, lo a figure that looms large in the in the background, and um, it'll be interesting. I think Alan strikes on a good point there. You know, it will be interesting to see that dynamic and how that plays out. Um, yeah, Euro twenty sixteen final. Anyone? It's um, you know, <laughs> Ronaldo is a powerful figure. Now, look, Matt, we, you and I were both at Stamford Bridge the other night. And it was far, you know, amid these fantastic games, it was far from a classic. But what struck me was, and this might be, you know, the defining uh, ingredient for, for Chelsea this season, Lukaku, in, when, when Chelsea needed a player to make the difference in a, in a diff game they found very difficult to go and seek and win, Lukaku was that man. He's really made an impact, Matt, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. Um from the first moment, I was impressed with Chelsea, even though they couldn't break Zenit for so long. They looked like champions. They looked like they had the belief that they would score. Um, I don't think I ever really doubted that they'd win that game. Um, but once the goal finally did come, it made me realise, I don't think the team that won the European Cup last year would have won beaten Zenit St. Petersburg because they needed that something extra that Lukaku now provides there's no way Timo Werner scores that goal. There's no way. Uh, and Zenit were, for all the, the invention that Chelsea showed and the attempts that they tried to unlock them, they were equal to all of it. And you mm. need sometimes to have a player. And it's, you know, it's rude to describe it as l lump it up to the big man up front um, because <laughs> it was an incredible pass, an incredible jump, an incredible header right into the corner. But it mm. was kind of, but it is that directness defences can't cope with sometimes and mm. you know for all the organization and shape work that Zenit must have done to, to keep Chelsea at bay there's just no answer to that and, and it's frightening that a team that were the best team in Europe last you know as, as recently as the as June were um are now so much better mm. uh, and yeah Lukaku's make hell, hell of a difference uh, and the, the swagger around the rest of the team plus him are going to make them very hard for anybody to beat this season. Yeah, no, it is. It would be an interesting one. We should mention the Europa League and Europa Conference League. So um, it's it's basically clear your back three tonight because West Ham are playing in Europe. There, I think there might be souvenir editions <laughs> of every single national newspaper. Um, oh, blimey, the glory days! Yeah, do you remember the Cup Winners' Cup in eighty eighty one? Oh my. Oh, guys, fantastic <laughs> souvenir edition. Absolutely. Best box Damn. Yeah. Oh, God. It'll be out 
Yeah, yeah, Jelly Deals, Pine Mash down the down the East End tonight. Oh my word, fabulous! No, listen, we shouldn't we shouldn't laugh too much. There's a cock in a snoop at my own industry rather than West Ham fans, believe me. Although the two go hand in hand. Um, um, but the the David Moyes, what a job that he has done, frankly, at West Ham. I mean, absolutely fantastic. Made a really good start to the season as well. It's going to be difficult to balance the two. I mean, you know, I think they've basically got a you know, difficult game tonight. Uh, they're going to have trips galore this season. As luck would have it, they've probably got arguably the game of the weekend um, on Sunday, West Ham. You know, a, a game, of the, game of the day, certainly, I, I would think, West Ham, um, Man U on Sunday. I mean, it's coming thick and, you know, it's coming thick and fast. Can West Ham cope? Have they got the right manager? Andy, what do you think? Well, they've got the right manager, you know, whether or not they've got a squad that's um, deep enough, I don't know. It just made me chuckle last night with um, Sebastian Haller, you know, getting those goals last night. So it made me sort of chuckle to think how, you know, how he was at West Ham and how how they appear to have just not a massive amount of um, striking depth, you know. And, and I think with, with Antonio... You, you know, you will have issues with Antonio, as I, 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 I suspect. You know, he, he's had a couple of injuries in the past, you know, uh, may have a couple of disciplinary problems. So you do need, you know, backup. We see that with all, 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 the, all the good teams there. You know, those the top four teams that we've been talking about, you see the amount of strength and depth that they have throughout the squad. And have West Ham got that equivalent? Well, no, they haven't. So, so in answer to the question, it's very simple. In David Moyes, they've got a manager, you know, who I think, you know, can certainly keep them where they are, but to take that next step up, they I just don't think they've got the personnel, to be perfectly mm. honest with you. And certainly not the personnel that can cope with with a trip like they you know, with a with a game like they've got tonight, um, followed by, you know, a game like they have at the weekend. It, it's it, it's going to be tough. I mean it, it really is going to be tough. You know, it, it goes back all the way, you know, it, it it's a perennial um debate, isn't it, you know, about just exactly how beneficial is it. You know, you know, we spend all season Saying, can these clubs get into a European spot? Can these clubs get into a European spot? And when they get into a European spot, we're saying oh, that's a shame because that means they'll be rubbish in the league because they're in a European spot. It's like, you know, it, it is chicken and egg, isn't it? You know, you, you try and get into Europe, and then as soon as you're in Europe, people are saying, well, you know, what, what sort of team are you going to play in the Europa League? You know, I bet you can't wait to get out of the Europa League or the European Conference or whatever because it's a distraction. And, you know, it is, you know, it, 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 in, in, in a way, I'd, I th I think it will be a real test of their squad. But, but but your original point about Moyes, I think you know superb. But if, if it wasn't, ironically, if it wasn't for the demands on that squad, you know you would expect them to have a real crack at sort of you know at least upsetting the um, what we should now call the big four as opposed to the big mm, six. No um, they would have a real they would have a real crack at that, you know. And um, but yeah, it would be tough. But they, they've got a great manager, and you know. Um, I think the club itself, I think what's been encouraging is the fact that I haven't been there this season, but if you speak to people who have, you know, it, it, it feels more like a football stadium. And that's just happened because of Moyes and because of the way the team has played. Because that's basically uh -huh. haven't changed. You know, there's nothing architecture is ever going to change about no. that athletic stadium. But it just mm -hmm. shows you what a decent team with the right attitude and a decent manager can do. Andy, let me tell you, I was at the, the, the West Ham Leicester game on the, on a Monday night and the atmosphere was cracking. 
by far and away the best the best atmosphere that I've experienced in that stadium <laughs> since since well, 2012. You know, since Mo Farah was going around the final band, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that, on, on that, that was, since Super Saturday, you, you're right, and that's amazing, isn't it? Because you know, for those of us who've been there and there's, and there's not been an atmosphere, it's I'm thinking, mm. how can you get this atmosphere? You know, at distance, well, yeah. clearly you can. It's football. It's football results. Listen, I think it's horribly patronising from English clubs not to take the European um, competition seriously. It's typical of English arrogance, frankly. Um, and but I do think there's sort of kind of pitfall. But there are there are pitfalls in terms of league, league results there that can sometimes impact upon. And the other thing is that the focus on the players. I thought it was really interesting this week, Jeremy. I don't know whether you saw this sort of interview with Yuri Tielemans. who's clearly a good hot property, doing well. And all of a sudden, he's you know because he's doing doing well, he's probably getting linked with moves. He certainly didn't sort of kind of run away from the question, shall we say, this, this week, did he? Talking about his talking about his future, really. Um, I'm always looking for a player to say I'm so happy here. It's you know fantastic, pleasure my life. But that's just me being the cynic there. But Tielemans, just how good is he? Yeah, look, he's. I don't think we saw the best of him at the Euros, to be honest, this summer. But um, whenever I've seen him play for Leicester, he, he's consistently one of their best players. And he probably thinks, you know, I know Leicester won the FA Cup and, um, you know, they had a great season last season, despite not finishing in the top four. But he'll look at a club that probably, as, as, as previous for selling the big players, you know, Maguire mm. went to United... Chilwell went to Chelsea. Um, so then they, if, if the price is right, they, they will cash in Leicester um, because, you know, they're not the richest club in the league. So if they can turn a huge profit on a player like Tielemans, the, the, the owners will will sell. So you have one eye on that. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll, he clearly doesn't lack self-confidence. So he wants to play in the Champions League like all top players do. So that's the bottom line. And if... If Leicester keep knocking on the door and don't quite knock it down to get into that top four, which they've you know they've blown the last two seasons to do two chances to do it, then he probably ultimately will think, well, you know, I don't owe Leicester anything really. I'm helping them win a cup. Um, I want out, so I wouldn't be shocked if next summer Leicester finish fifth or sixth. He says, you know, and a big club coming for him, a bigger club coming for him, then you know he wants to go. I wouldn't be totally shocked by that. Mm-hmm. No, no, sure. Matt, let's finally finish on Tottenham and Europa, Europa Conference League. Yeah, the big one. Now, it says here, the big one, absolutely. It says here, do Spurs, do Spurs care, dash, should they care? <laughs> now, the old romantic in, in me says that they do care and they, and they should care, frankly. Do you think Nuno cares? Do you care? Um, can I just say, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but that's the English arrogance that I'm talking about, Jeremy. You see, I think Spurs have pride to play for, uh, and they need to. They, they were the Champions League final two years ago. They need to go into this competition showing that they care enough to get through to the next round and the next stage each time. Um, they can do that with weakened teams, um, albeit with um, Harry Kane's help in the in the earlier stages. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they need to care. They need to play players in their squads. Um, so it's a useful exercise for them. It's a bit, going to be a bit like the um, EFL Cup um, in that regard. Um, and it's going to be further. I'm telling you, if, if Spurs get knocked out by some absolute minnows, 
that's going to be further embarrassment to, to Nuno and to the players. Um, so they need to care um, on that regard. Whether we need to watch the, that particular car crash, I, I, I don't think there's going to be that much enjoyment from it. They all seem to be quite low-key games. Um, some of their um, Europa League games recently weren't particularly exciting. or weren't, weren't even on television for some of them. You had to pay um, to, to subscription channels. So there's obviously the TV companies were a fair indication of what's exciting and, and what's entertaining to put on the box. Uh, didn't think it was that worthwhile. Um, and, yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't know why the bigger clubs, I mean, you, you say it's patronised, but why does UEFA need a third-tier competition? Yeah, you know, we, we, we've the idea of Europe is it's a celebration of the elite, you know, and the old, the old school, even the UEFA Cup was, I mean... <laughs> The European Cup was the best team in each country, came together and uh, and competed. Then we thought, oh, well, we've got these cup winners who, you know, prestigious clubs. Let's give them a competition as well. And then hang on a sec, though, but there is quite a lot of talent. Let's pull the very best of that talent that didn't happen to win the trophies and put them in the UEFA Cup. Now it's everybody gets a ticket into Europe pretty much but for turning up and, and not getting sucked into a relegation battle. And, and why do we need to know? whether the third best team in Gibraltar are better than the seventh best team in the Premier League. You know, it's it's a, just a nonsense. It's a, it's for UEFA to make money. And it's great for the smaller countries, perhaps, to get a But But the third best team in Gibraltar qualified for the European you know, Conference League. Uh, yeah, it, it just makes a mockery of, of the, it being about the elite. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just don't get the idea of it at all. It's just... A complete waste of lots of people's time, um, and and yeah, and I probably won't. Well, I certainly won't. I'll be watching West Ham rather than Spurs tonight. I'd have thought. Dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. What has it come to? I and that's where what, Spurs are now. I two went. Well, oh, blimey, really? They made three wins out of four. Start to the season. three wins out of four. They've got twenty. Um, they've managed thirty-eight shots all season, and the bottom three in the Premier League for for shots. Harry Kane's had less shots than Kieran Clark. This season, they've done it. They they flew three one. You must have stayed up all night to get that. They flew three one nil wins. They're twenty percent less shots than twenty percent fewer shots than they had under Mourinho. Matt, where did they nine shots a game? Harry Redknapp was eighteen shots a game when he his team were playing. And Nuno keeps telling us all that keeps going through his mind is the phrase "to dare is to do" and how taken he is by it. That they're. Uh, apart from rediscovering Dyer and um, Sanchez is the new defensive uh, impregnable uh, wall of defence that that they became for three games. Yeah, uh, those three wins have hidden a lot of that's wrong at Spurs at the moment, mm. and uh, and it'll be interesting to mm. see what happens. Chelsea this weekend, um, I think that'll be a truer measure of, of where Spurs are at the moment. And the yeah. fact that you said that Tottenham Chelsea isn't even the biggest game on Sunday. West Ham Man United shows how much of a mismatch that that game could be. Well, I don't think it is. I think Man I think Man United is always the biggest show in town. I think I think the Chelsea Man City would, would Tottenham would Chelsea be the bigger. You, two years ago. Tottenham Chelsea no, would have been no. the biggest. It's game a London derby. No, so no. You, I think you, you Man, Man, United, Man United, Man United, tough, Man United, tough away game. With everything yeah. that goes with it, this weekend oh, yeah. Ronaldo well, all under two pressure. Two years ago, Spurs Chelsea would have been one of the biggest games of the season, let alone the day. And now you're relegating it behind, in the billing behind West Ham <laughs> United. I think that's a sign of how 
how far off the pace, how off Chelsea's pace Tottenham are at the moment. Well, I think Chelsea, I think Chelsea are t- big title contenders. I don't know where, but I mean, Jeremy did ask a, um, a pertinent question there, so we should uh, we should take advantage of that because it doesn't happen very often. Um, yes, so <laughs> tell me around the room. Where do Matt start with you? Where do you think Tottenham will finish in the table this season? Um, I'm thinking it depends who their new manager is when Nuno's sacked. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm thinking you're not having him. I, I'm not having that. I, the whole club's gone to pieces since. I mean, you can't appoint a manager and tell him, give him a mandate to entertain like Levy's done. Mm. He said in his the appointment that we need somebody who's going to bring, you know, the club's values back to the club. Uh, and then it's well, suddenly it's one nil to the Tottenham and uh, fluke a few results and then absolutely <laughs> stink the place out against Crystal Palace. It's. Yeah, it's a mess. They've not signed the right players. Uh, yeah, Harry Kane's disaffected. Two shots all season in the Premier League. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a club going, to answer Jeremy's question, it's a club heading to mid-table, seventh or eighth, ninth. I think they'll stay up there. Yeah, they'll probably stay. Well, Arsenal are going. They're, they're, they're going to do the relegation battle in North London. Um, but, uh, but... I mean, um, finishing above Everton... I don't think they'll finish above Everton, do you? Possibly, possibly not. Yeah, it's good. That's, but that's where they're competing. Probably. That's where they're competing. I think eighth, eighth and ninth, I think Tottenham will finish. Yeah, quite possibly. Well, yeah. What about you guys? Well, I, I do, funny enough, I, I think basically, I think they might do right sixth, but it's basically, yeah. I, do, look, I think the worrying, slightly worrying thing is, and, you know, <laughs> Matt's right on the point about Nuno. Nuno, what, you know, what do you have? Three years at Wolves. And basically, you know, I do think in his final year at Wolves, yes, he was beset by problems on and off the pitch. And it was clearly coming to an end. But it didn't end well. It kind of petered out, frankly. And it petered out in the most, you know, counter-attacking style possible. And that is not what Tottenham want. It's not what Tottenham need. And I think if he can quickly address that and find a better balance... Then, because let's not and let's let's be fair here, you know. In his first couple of seasons, he did ever so well at Wolves. Incredible, you know. It was good football to watch. You know, the the final year at Wolves was not happy. And if they basically spend the whole season at Spurs playing like the final year at Wolves, it won't end well. But you know, I don't know. I I I think maybe given the the benefit of the doubt, I think that basically. But I think I think the style is going to be very important because those opening three games wins, but not not ideal. Man City, you stomach, but basically other games, mm, not so I'm sure about. Sure basically, Harry Kane gets a touch of the ball in the box might be a good start. Yeah, might help, might but, yeah. but on yeah, the basis of sending off, forty-seven minutes it took Spurs to get a shot in against Crystal Palace. But what's what's happened, Matt? A massive obsession with shots this morning. What's going yeah. on, pal? Well, because I, I haven't seen any. I want to talk about them because that, that used to be what I used to watch shots and things, and that's what you used to see. But, it'd be, it'd but, yeah, be, yeah, be about XG. It'd be, it'd be going all XG corners in the moment. I haven't gone that far. But listen, on, on the basis that they haven't changed the rules and you get points for um, winning games rather than the amount of shots you have. I mean, you know, then, um, then I think they'll do okay, you know, and and I, th- I think Kane will come good. I think, I think in Son, Kane, Ali, you know, you know, they've got options up front that I think will, you know, and I think sixth or, or 
or seventh, you know, and, and let's face it, you know, it's four games into a Premier League season. Mm. You know, no, they weren't great um, at Palace, but you know, we are four games into the season. You know, I think I think to sort of write them off just because they haven't managed too many shots in in four games is um is a little bit you know a, a little bit hasty. Let's just say. Yeah. Well, interesting. Interesting. Well, that finished in an unexpected way, really. Um, rant about Spurs from that. Very, very interesting, entertaining. Oh, I yeah, think yeah. you've been a bit. I think you've been a bit pessimistic, but very entertaining, which is what we like. So, um, guys, thanks so much for for watching, and thanks everyone at, um, at home for watching as uh, as well. Some really interesting comments as well. Last ninety five percent about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um But yes. anyway, at least we haven't had any Nuno out yet. But uh, by the sound of it, we might have one coming from uh, Matt. Dun I was going to say I, Matt Dunn's I'm account. Getting a Nuno out. <laughs> But there you go. Guys, nice to see you all. Really appreciate it. I'll see you soon. Same time, same place next week.